Welcome to the Tax Cell Podcast, where tax cell investing is made easy. My name is Casey Dimon. I'm a tax cell veteran. I am the leading tax cell expert. I'm the author of the Tax Cell Playbook, founder of the Tax Cell Academy, and I am your host right here on the Tax Cell Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast episode. As always, this is a completely free podcast brought to you through the Tax Cell Academy. All right, on today's episode, we're going to be discussing standard tax cell investing and over-the-counter tax cell investing. Many investors tend to compare these two types of strategies. Now, before we begin, let's discuss exactly what they are. Let's get you up to speed. So every property in the tax foreclosure system will begin its journey there the same way. And that is when the owner of that piece of real estate fails to pay their taxes on time. The county and the city, they obviously need that tax revenue for a number of different things, so they are forced to take some type of action. Now, the specific action that they take will vary, and it's dependent on the state's laws in each of the different states. Now, I've got a link in today's show notes that will take you to my state guide that breaks down each one of the individual states if you're interested. Now, one of the processes is known as the tax lien process. That is not a process that we'll be discussing on today's episode. Another type of process is going to be called the tax deed process. So here's how it works. Once a property owner fails to pay the taxes on time, those taxes have now become delinquent. So once the taxes go delinquent, the owner of that property will have a window of time to pay the county the back due taxes, those delinquent taxes, any fees, and any interest that is charged by the county. This is known as redemption. If they pay what is owed, they're good to go. Just make sure you pay your taxes on time in the future, but you don't lose the property or anything like that, although it will cost you a little bit more in interest. But once you redeem the property, that's it. You are out of the tax foreclosure process. But... Once that property reaches the point where the redemption window has expired, the property will go through the tax foreclosure process. This is not like a two or three month window that you have to pay your back due taxes. We're talking two or three years, depending on the state. Once it reaches that point, the owner is going to lose the real estate for failure to pay the back due taxes. Now, these specifics vary, but the property will ultimately end up at a county or city tax foreclosure sale. This is a public auction where the bidding, the opening bid, will generally start at what is owed to the county, and then it goes up from there. So it's typically going to be the amount of back due taxes, interest, and fees. That is the standard auction process. You buy that property at the auction, and you walk away as the owner of that property. Now, in some states, if a property goes to an auction, but nobody bids on that property at the auction, the property is then going to be available over the counter, or OTC for short. Basically, it's just like going to the grocery store. You walk into the county office, you pay them what is owed, and you walk out as the owner of that property. In a lot of places, you can actually do this online. Now, what is owed will typically be the amount of the back due taxes, interest, and fees. 
With that said, some states actually do begin to discount the price after the initial tax sale, and it's very possible to buy properties for extremely nominal amounts in certain situations. So what is the best route? We know that we can get great deals at tax sales, but it also sounds pretty appealing to simply walk into the county and buy a property without having to attend an auction or bid or anything like that. So what's the best answer? What is the best strategy? The answer here, it depends. To take a look at this, we must really begin to think about it logically. There are a number of different reasons that a property goes through tax foreclosure. Many of those reasons are related to the person. Many of those reasons are related to the property. So once a property is lost through tax foreclosure, in most situations, it is gone forever. The owner has lost the property by failing to pay the tax bill, which typically amounts to just a fraction of the actual fair market value of that property. Because of this, a lot of owners will find a way to borrow money to sell the property or otherwise they will take the necessary steps to come up with the money to stop the tax foreclosure. Let's think about it. If you have a house worth say $100,000 and you were going to lose it for a $3,000 delinquent tax bill, you're probably going to do everything in your power to somehow find that $3,000. Even if you don't have a dime in the bank, you're gonna start selling stuff. You're gonna to go to the pawn shop. You're gonna ask friends, family, neighbors, because you don't want to lose all of that equity. You work more, you sell stuff, you get a loan, whatever you have to do, you would find a way to figure out the solution to that problem, which is to come up with a $3,000 so you don't lose the $97,000 in equity. In short, the more motivation somebody has, the better chances of finding a way to stop that tax foreclosure. Now, on the contrary, there are plenty of folks that want to stop their property from going through tax foreclosure, but they can't. They simply are not able to come up with the funds despite how much they want to. So yes, there are plenty of nice properties available at tax sales. I've seen million dollar properties sell a lot. I've even seen strip malls with big box retail tenants sell at tax sales before. So there are nice properties. Now, outside of that, you also have situations where property owners don't have much motivation to prevent the tax foreclosure in the first place. An example could be, well, the person is dead. Not much motivation there, right? Other examples could include properties related to divorce, inherited properties, owners that moved away and just don't want the property, or other personal type issues. Or, listen closely here, the property itself might not be all that motivating in the eyes of an owner. That is such a big reason we have so many vacant lots and abandoned homes at tax sales. If a property does not hold much perceived value to you as the owner, well, you might abandon it. Maybe it's a rundown house, maybe it's a vacant lot, whatever it is, you don't think it is worth a whole lot of money. In reality, it might be worth a nice little chunk of change to us as tax sale investors. It's all about the perception. Or maybe it truly doesn't have any value. Maybe it's that easement, that strip of land, that retention pond, or otherwise worthless property. In other words, 
there are a lot of properties that have a very good reason related directly to that property for being available at a tax sale. The properties just are not worth much money. Some properties are even what I refer to as frequent flyers. In other words, they go to a tax sale, somebody buys it, they realize it has no value, they stop paying the taxes, then it goes back to a tax sale, somebody else buys it, keeps going around in a never-ending circle over and over again. So, if you were to take a sampling of real estate in any one area in the country, you'll notice that likely 99% of the real estate have some value of some sort, either vacant lots, abandoned homes, homes and battery, whatever it is, it's gonna have some value most of the time. When you look at a tax sale list, the number begins to decline sharply. So you go from 99% of just about all real estate on a tax roll holding some value to a substantially less percentage when you look at a tax sale list. Now, since it varies greatly, I don't wanna provide any estimates, but the percentage of properties that are worthless are certainly greater than 1%, which is what you'll find on most tax rolls. And again, that's just a very rough figure there. Now, when we consider the fact that a property went through tax foreclosure and then it went to an auction and nobody in that room placed a bid on that property, you have to understand that the properties that hit an OTC list have now been passed up by a number of people. So the percentage of properties that are worthless on an OTC list is even higher than that on a typical tax sale list, which as mentioned, is much, much higher than any other sampling of real estate in the country. So it is imperative you are extremely cautious with both tax sale properties, but certainly with OTC properties. Ideally, as a veteran investor, you'll invest in both standard tax sale properties and through OTC sales, but only once you have the necessary experience and knowledge to know what you are doing. The standard tax sale list will provide you with the best selection through this system of properties to purchase. You're gonna have the first shot at the most properties that are the highest quality. Sure, you might be in a competitive bid type situation and you might not buy the property at the lowest possible amount, but you will still be able to get a great deal, make some money and move on to other properties provided your strategy was good. There are plenty of ways to limit your competition. Two examples would be by going to mid or smaller sized markets instead of the larger ones. Another one is going to auctions that are inconvenient for other bidders. And there's a variety of other strategies to help you get past your competition. Now, as a new tax sale investor, I suggest that you go to a standard tax sale first. You can mitigate your risk by doing the proper research combined with a concrete and very conservative maximum bid amount. And because of the volume of the properties that are offered there, you will likely find success sooner at a standard tax sale auction than through most OTC sales. So why do I recommend beginners start with these standard tax sales instead of diving into OTC sales? Well, it goes back to the property quality that is offered. At an OTC sale, you have to be extremely cautious about what you're buying. These properties have been lost by the owner 
and then they were passed up at the tax sale. Sure, the opening bid at the sale might have just been too high, or maybe there just wasn't anybody there that wanted that particular property. But there could also be plenty of other property-related reasons. So you must have the required skills to really scrutinize every single little detail prior to walking into that county office or logging online and buying the property at that nominal price. I will routinely find hidden traps on OTC list. Properties that look good at first glance, but end up having very serious issues, which discloses the reason that they are on that list. Just a few days ago, I saw the last remaining lot in a fairly new subdivision on an OTC list. I could have easily taken it at face value and bought it for nearly nothing. But after some digging, it became obvious that despite being the same size as every other lot in that subdivision, this particular lot was not buildable. It was actually supposed to be the neighborhood park. They were supposed to have a playground on this land and some picnic tables and stuff, but it was never finished. So to the naked eye, it looked like any other lot. But when you start digging a little bit deeper, you realize it is not buildable. When searching OTC list, my suggestion is to do it early and do it often. Find properties the moment that they hit that OTC list. Then do your research right then and right there and decide if you want to buy them. The properties that have been on the list for five years or 10 years, yeah, hundreds of people have already researched those properties and passed them up and they are likely not worth much. Now, outside of finding properties the moment that they hit the OTC list for the typical buy and flip type strategy, you can also develop some more creative strategies. I'm actually using one of these on a deal I'm about to close the next couple of weeks. So what happens in this particular deal is I'm looking at a subdivision. Now in this subdivision, the developer who originally developed it broke every single lot into a 50 foot wide lot. Now a lot of the original purchasers in there bought multiple lots, so it's not that big of a deal. But there are a few of these single 50 foot lots still left in there. Unfortunately, the county requires 75 feet in order to build, so a single 50 foot lot is not buildable. So I took a look at the OTC list. It just so happens that one of these single lots is available on that list for just shy of $500. And nobody has purchased it because on its own, it's pretty much worthless since it's not buildable. I did a little bit of research and I realized that the single lot on the OTC list is right next to a single 50 foot lot owned by a private individual. I approached the owner of that property I offered them $1,500 for the property, which is more than it's worth because it's not buildable, but I told them I would pay them that to get the deal done. So they signed a contract to sell me their lot for $1,500, and I also purchased the lot from the OTC list for just shy of $500. So when it's all said and done, I'll have both lots for about $2,000, but more importantly, when I join them together, I have a 100-foot buildable lot that is worth around $12,000 now. I'm actually gonna be building a spec home on that lot, but that is just one of the strategies that you can use when you look at an OTC list. The point is that you either need to find that diamond in the rough the moment that it hits that list, which yes, absolutely does happen, or you need to take a look at the properties with a very specific and creative strategy in mind. Buying properties, 
through a standard tax sale can be extremely profitable, and so can buying properties OTC when done correctly. In the end, my advice is for newer investors to start with standard tax sales and then work into OTC sales once they are comfortable with their research and developing strategies to utilize. Both of those can be extremely phenomenal investment avenues. I truly hope that this episode has helped you out. Thank you so much for joining me today. If this episode or any of our episodes on this podcast has helped you out, please do me a huge favor and take just a second to leave us some positive feedback on whatever podcasting platform you are listening to us on right now. It truly means a great deal to us when you leave those positive reviews, and I'm so very thankful for each and every one of you who've taken the time to do so already. For more information on tax sale investing, you can always check out the links in today's show notes. We actually offer an OTC-specific investing class, and that's at otcclass.com, or you can join the academy itself for all of our trainings, including the OTC class, by visiting taxcellacademy.com. Again, that's otcclass.com and taxcellacademy.com. Thanks again for listening. Take care and make it a successful day. We'll see you next time right here on the Tax Sale Podcast.